0: Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, I hope you enjoyed all those holiday episodes over the last four weeks, but this week we're going to have a fresh story. I'm going to read to you a chapter from Nanny Piggins and the Rival Ringmaster which is the fifth book in the Nanny Piggins series. And the reason I'm doing this is because I have recorded this whole book as an audio book for Penguin Random House, and it's now available anywhere you can get audio books. So I thought I would read you a chapter on the podcast, and then if you want to hear more, because there's nine more chapters, then you can buy the audio book, which would be a great way to support me and the show as well. All right, well, let's just get into it. Okay, so I'm going to read to you Chapter 7, Boris the Big Star here we go. It's all right, Boris, there's no need to be ashamed, said Nanny Piggins, as she led her extremely sticky and dishevelled brother home. It could happen to anybody, Samantha said supportively, which was, strictly speaking, untrue. Only a ten-foot-tall dancing bear with an insatiable love of honey could wreak quite so much havoc in the town's newly opened Honey Emporium. But it was a tribute to how much Samantha loved Boris that she, a normally very honest girl, was prepared to tell him such a very large fib just to make him feel better. "'They're probably not going to let me go back in their shop, are they?' asked Boris. "'Oh, no,' said Michael, also fibbing. "'I'm sure they'd love to see you back.' "'After a week or two, said Derek, more truthfully, "'when they've cleaned up the mess.' Absolutely, agreed Nanny Piggins. Normally, a shop that only sold honey and honey-related products would be a ridiculous business doomed for failure. But those shopkeepers are lucky. They set up their business in a town that is home to a ten-foot-tall dancing bear with a healthy appetite due to his active lifestyle. Boris nodded his head. My two favourite hobbies, dancing and napping, both stimulate the appetite. I'm sure the people at the Honey Emporium will soon appreciate you, not as a barbaric vandal, as they said this morning, but as their very best customer, said Nanny Piggins. And they only have themselves to blame for the mess at the shop, said Samantha. If you are going to set up a Honey Emporium, it really would be sensible to make sure it is bear-proofed. Exactly, agreed Michael, with a clear aisle from the front of the store to the huge vats of honey. "'Yes,' agreed Boris, starting to cheer up. "'If they're going to put their little delicate china knick-knacks everywhere, "'how is a bear meant to get through?' "'That's the spirit,' encouraged Nanny Piggins. "'I don't know what the need for all that screaming, "'fuss and police involvement was about.' "'I'll never be able to pay for the damages,' (laughs) sobbed Boris. "'I've only got twenty-six cents.' "'Not a problem,' said Nanny Piggins. "'All we need to do is come up with an ingenious money-making scheme "'to repay the thousands of dollars' worth of damage you did to their shop, "'and it will be as if the whole incident never happened.' "'Boris smiled now, and a little bit of spring returned to his step. "'And in the meantime, I know what I'll do,' he said. "'I'll start work on choreographing a ballet for them "'to express just how truly sorry I feel.' That's a good idea, enthused Nanny Piggins, although perhaps you shouldn't perform it in their shop. If they didn't have the foresight to bear-proof it, I doubt they had the foresight to ballet-proof it. And there might not be enough space between the cash register and the honey jars to do a grand jeté properly, added Michael. Now, dear reader, as Nanny Pickens, Boris and the children had this conversation, they just happened to be walking through the cafe district of town. This was a newly established area where a couple of enthusiastic restaurateurs were trying to encourage al fresco dining by putting tables and chairs outside, right next to the busy high street, so that diners could enjoy carbon monoxide fumes with their food. And it just so happened that a man in one of these outdoor eating areas was looking at Boris intently. ''Nanny Piggins,'' whispered Michael, ''there's a man over there staring at Boris.'' ''Of course there is,'' said Nanny Piggins. ''He is the world's greatest ballet-dancing bear. He can hardly walk the street without being recognised. ''He's taking photographs,'' it." Michael. ''How dare!'' he exclaimed Nanny Piggins, her head whipping around. ''I won't allow the paparazzi to hound my brother.'' ''He's coming this way!'' squealed Samantha, in panic, running to hide behind Boris.'' The man was certainly behaving in a most peculiar way. He had formed his thumbs and forefingers into a rectangle, and he was looking at Boris through this shape while weaving from side to side so that he could stare at Boris from different angles. "'Do something, Sarah,' urged Boris. "'The strange man is frightening me.' "'I'll protect you,' declared Nanny Piggins. "'You!' she barked at the man. "'Who are you, and what do you want with my brother?' I want to make him a star, said the man, holding Nanny Piggins a business card. It read, Mark Menzies, CSA, casting agent. Well, you're too late, said Nanny Piggins dismissively, dropping the card and grinding it into the ground with her trotter. My brother is already a star. He's the greatest ballet dancing bear in the entire world. Ballet dancing, said the casting agent. Well, that's just swell, but I'm talking about a real star. yelped Boris. He's going to turn me into a giant burning sphere of gas in distant outer space. Boris grabbed Samantha and tried to hide behind her. No, I'm going to turn you into a movie star, said the casting agent. But I'm not interested in becoming a movie man, said Boris. Sure, I get a lot of job offers all the time because of my size, strength and ability to leap up artistically, placing things on high shelves. But carrying a grand piano up twelve flights of stairs is never as much fun as you think it will be. And people get ever so cross when you drop things, especially grand pianos, down twelve flights of stairs. No, I want to cast you in a film, enthused the casting director, a huge motion picture blockbuster. Why, asked Nanny Piggins suspiciously, is someone making a movie about a ten-foot-tall Russian dancing bear? Not exactly, said the casting director, but trust me, your brother is perfect for the part. (laughs) "Humph," said Nanny Piggins, still feeling suspicious. I'd like to set up a meeting for you with our director, said the casting agent. Name your favourite restaurant and we'll do lunch tomorrow. You're taking me to lunch? asked Boris, excitedly. Anywhere I want? Sure, I can get us in anywhere in town, said the casting agent. What about... The Honey Emporium, asked Boris. And so, despite Nanny Piggins' misgivings about strange men who sat around in outdoor cafes waiting for bears to walk past, Boris went to the meeting. And somewhere between draining the second and third 100-gallon vats of honey in the shop, he signed a contract agreeing to be in a film. Nanny Piggins was very begrudging about the situation. You're not jealous, are you, Nanny Piggins? asked Derek. Jealous? ''Of a film career?'' exclaimed Nanny Piggins. ''Certainly not. We all get those offers to star in blockbuster movies, but some of us say no.'' ''Why would you say no?'' asked Michael. ''You'd be a brilliant movie star.'' ''I know. I often look at Elizabeth Taylor or Meryl Streep and I think, ''I could be so much better,'' agreed Nanny Piggins.'' But I couldn't stand the lifestyle. Film stars have to live in trailers and it's terribly hard to bake cakes properly in one of those miniature ovens they have. For his part, Boris was very excited about having an acting job. He started behaving as he thought an actor should, by wearing a purple cravat and blue silk smoking jacket, then walking around the house enunciating all his words very clearly. He could not wait for the script to arrive so he could practice his actual lines and not just stand in front of the mirror practicing looking handsome and debonair. Although, having worked on it eight hours a day, he was getting to be very good. A week after he was offered the part, and just three days before he was due to start shooting, the script arrived. Boris ran through the house with it, squealing, The script is here! The script is here! They all gathered around in the living room to read it together. What is your character's name? asked Derek. According to the slip in the envelope, I'm playing Wantha, said Boris proudly. Wantha, said Nanny Piggins. What sort of name is that? Perhaps it's set in an exotic foreign country where Wantha is a common name for dashing handsome bears, said Samantha. ''Let's flick through the script and find your line,'' suggested Derek. They flipped through for some time before they came to Boris's first line, and when they found it, it was not exactly a moving soliloquy. "Ugh," read Boris. ''What does that mean?'' asked Nanny Piggins. ''Look, here's your second line,'' said Michael, pointing it out on the next page. "Ah!" wailed Boris, trying to get in character. ''Is this film in Italian or something?'' asked Nanny Piggins. The other characters' lines are in English, said Samantha as she scanned the page. Look, here's your third line and it doesn't look much better, said Nanny Piggins. Practised Boris. Perhaps you're playing someone with a speech impediment, said Michael. That's good. It means you're more likely to win an Academy Award. No, wait a minute, said Derek, who had taken the script and was reading it from the beginning. This film is set in outer space. "'He is going to turn me into a gaseous sphere,' panicked Boris. "'No,' said Derek. "'You're playing an alien, a Branthod from the planet Snushu.' Everyone sat and thought about that for a moment. "'I'm not sure if I should take this as a compliment or not,' said Boris." Oh, I think you should, said Samantha. After all, you don't look like an alien. You look like a bear. So it's obviously a compliment to your acting ability that the casting agent and director think you can transform yourself so completely. Is the alien a little green man, asked Boris, because I have great confidence in my performance skills, but I think even I would struggle to convince an audience that I was three feet tall. According to the script, Wantha is ten foot tall, weighs 650 kilograms, and is covered in long brown hair, read Derek. Hmm, said Boris. I think I can pull that off. Then he added with a blush, It's very kind of them to think I can pass for 650 kilograms. And it'll be easy learning your lines, said Michael. They're exactly the sort of noises you make when you accidentally eat the plastic bucket, the honey comes in. And so everyone helped get Boris ready for his first day on set. Nanny Piggins made him a picnic lunch, honey sandwiches, honey cake, honey biscuits, and of course, honey. The children helped him learn his lines. Boris struggled at first, but then he accidentally ate a honey bucket and it all came back to him. On his first morning, they all got up at 5am to see him off. Now you be good and play nicely with the other actors, said Nanny Piggins, as she affectionately stood on a stepladder to straighten her brother's fur. A tear trickled down Boris's nose. I'm going to miss you all terribly, he sobbed. We'll see you again late tonight, said Nanny Piggins, giving him a big hug. Why do actors have to work such ridiculously long hours, asked Michael. Because they're so flaky, explained Nanny Piggins. The producers like to keep them on set as much as possible to stop them running off with someone else's wife or getting arrested for not knowing how to drive or something equally silly. You won't do any of those things, will you, Boris, asked Samantha. Oh, no, said Boris, at least not on my first day. And so Boris went to work. Nanny Piggins and the children missed him terribly. To help pass the time, Nanny Piggins even allowed the children to go to school. When Boris returned that night, he was a very tired bear. "'How did it go?' asked Samantha, as Boris slumped into the most comfortable armchair. "'Fortunately, Mr Green was it. "'Fortunately, Mr Green was not in it at the time, "'or he would have been squashed like a pancake.' "'It was dreadful,' wailed Boris.' ''Really?'' asked Derek. ''I thought everyone was nice to movie stars.'' ''Oh yes, everyone says nice things, but the things they want you to do are so, so degrading,'' said Boris with a shudder. ''They didn't make you do a nude scene, did they?'' asked Nanny Piggins, rolling up her sleeves, getting ready to be outraged.'' But Boris is always nude, whispered Michael. He has fur, not clothes. Still, it's the principle of the matter, said Nanny Piggins. He's a young, impressionable bear. No, I didn't have to put on clothes, then take them off, admitted Boris. But there were other terrible things they made me do. Boris held his paws over his face from shame. You can tell us, Boris, said Samantha kindly. We won't judge you. Boris peeked through his paws. Tears had already started to well in his eyes. I had to stand there under baking hot lights, doing the same scene over and over and over again, he explained, while the camera was on one actor, then the next, then the next. And when it came to be my turn to be on camera, well, Boris sobbed. They were rude. What did they say? demanded Nanny Piggins. They said... Boris stopped to sob a few times and blow his nose on a handkerchief. ''They said that I should stop doing pirouettes and just say my lines,'' wept Boris. ''Why were you doing ballet moves?'' asked Derek. ''It was such a dull scene,'' said Boris. ''They were talking about the ultimate destruction of the universe and the fight of good versus evil.'' But it was just a bunch of people standing around, yap, yap, yapping. I thought if I added some beautiful movement to the scene, it would stop the viewers getting bored. Which sounds like an excellent idea, agreed Nanny Piggins. But the director said that I was playing a Branthod, and the Branthods don't dance, continued Boris. No, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. That's what I said, said Boris. I said, ''Are you sure? If not ballet, then what about tap or tango or the cha-cha or that funny type of Scottish dancing with the swords?'' But the director said, ''No, Branthods don't do any type of dancing at all.'' ''That's terrible,'' said Nanny Piggins. ''That's what I said,'' said Boris. ''I never would have agreed to play the part if I knew that Branthods don't dance.'' "'Nobody would be able to look at me for a second and believe that I couldn't dance?' "'Absolutely,' agreed Nanny Piggins. "'You have the body of a ballerina.' "'So did you quit?' asked Michael. "'No, because at that point we stopped for lunch,' said Boris. "'They'd laid out a table full of sandwiches and baked goods and snacks that were delicious.' But after finishing my meal, I looked up to see the whole crew and cast staring at me. "'Why?' asked Nanny Piggins. "'Apparently that was not my lunch,' explained Boris. "'That lunch was for everybody to share.' "'There wasn't a table full of food each?' asked Nanny Piggins. "'No,' said Boris. "'But that's ridiculous,' said Nanny Piggins. "'You're a growing bear.' "'That's what I said, but everyone was still cross at me,' said Boris. "'Except for the actresses, because they don't like eating.' "'So were people mean to you?' asked Derek. "'Well, they looked like they were going to be,' said Boris. "'So I went and hid in my trailer. "'And when I got inside, I remembered the packed lunch Nanny Piggins had made for me, "'and I ate that to cheer myself up.' "'Very wise,' said Nanny Piggins.' But then, when they called me for my next scene, the door of my trailer had shrunk and I couldn't get out, explained Boris. The door had shrunk, asked Samantha. What other explanation could there be, asked Boris. The children were too polite to point out that he may have gained some weight from eating enough food to feed 50 people than a large suitcase full of honey-enhanced baked goods. ''It was so humiliating,'' sobbed Boris. ''If the lady from catering hadn't found her can opener and used it to cut a wider door for me, I'd still be stuck there now.'' ''That was very kind of her,'' said Samantha. ''Oh, the lady from catering likes me,'' explained Boris. ''She says I'm the first actor to appreciate her food.'' ''Then did you quit?'' asked Michael. "'Well, I tried to,' said Boris. "'I went to see the producer and I told him how I felt and I wept a little. "'But instead of saying, that's all right, Boris, he got angry with me.' "'No!' exclaimed Nanny Piggins. "'He told me that I had signed a contract and I had to honour it "'or he would sue me for all my money,' said Boris. "'He threatened to sue you for twenty-six cents?' asked Michael. And he said if I didn't finish the film, he would see to it that I never worked again, continued Boris. But you didn't work before, said Samantha. Yes, but that was from choice, said Boris. I wouldn't like to have the choice to do something taken away from me, so I have to go back and do it all again tomorrow. Hmm, said Nanny Piggins. Not if you get fired. Oh no, I don't want to be fired out of a cannon, said Boris. You know I didn't like it the one time I tried. No, I mean get fired from your job, explained Nanny Piggins. You'll just have to be so difficult to work with that they tear up your contract. Oh, but I don't think I could do that, said Boris. I don't want to be difficult. You will have to learn, said Nanny Piggins. Okay, well, this is a long chapter, so we're going to wrap it up there for this week, and I will come back and read you the second half of the chapter next week. If you don't want to wait until next week, though, as I said... This book has been made into an audio book, so you can listen to the rest of that chapter plus the other nine chapters, so 10 chapters in total, by downloading, by buying that audio book from anywhere that you get audio books. I get mine from Audible, but you can get audio books from lots of different places online. All right. So if you buy that, you can listen to the rest of that chapter and the whole rest of the book straight away. Um, and the audio book has been recorded properly in an audio studio at Penguin Random House, whereas I'm just recording this chapter in my home, in my office. So anyway, um, if you don't buy the audiobook, that's fine too. I will read you the rest of that chapter next week. Okay, that's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.